Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. I am Dino Watt. I'm your host. I'm excited for you to be here today. Again, thank you so much for all of you who are telling your friends and colleagues about this show and getting the word out there. It really is so heartwarming to hear all of the feedback and the messages that I get sent to me on a weekly basis of people who either found the show because of a friend or by happenstance and have received the value that we're trying to give you. Remember, our goal here is always to bring you the best practices possible so that you can have more productivity, more positivity, and more profit inside of your business. Today is going to be one of our special days because today is the day where we're actually talking to one of our professionals who are actually out there. They're doing the work. They are actually figuring out how to be business owners, how to be parents, how to be friends, how to have a life all while being successful in their business. And I'm excited to have Dr. Tu today joining us all the way from Brooklyn, New York. Dr. Tu, welcome. Thank you so much, Dino. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited to be here today. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you too. Well, if you've uh, you've mentioned earlier before that you've actually listened to some of the shows, shows so you know that we always start out with your story. So tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get into this? I know that your family immigrated from Vietnam and you have a really cool story there. Tell us why did you, tell us a little bit about your background, but then also why did you get into this world of dentistry? Oh, yes, yes. So my family um, immigrated from Vietnam in 1992. Mm. Um, Both my my dad was in the Vietnam War and he fought for the American side. So then when um, Vietnam fell and uh, the Americans left, uh, he, he got sent to like a re-education camp. So after the war, uh, they Amer- America allowed us to immigrate to um, the U- United States because of that. So we um, stayed in D.C. growing up um, ever since I was 18 until I left for college. And I really got interested in dentistry because I actually grew up having really bad teeth. Like Mm -hmm. for some reason, my front tooth, uh, which is like the um, number eight, which um, we dentists called your front maxillary tooth, never came in. So I was missing this front tooth, which kind of made me look like the image of like the mad, um, the mad magazine. Oh like yeah. That, that Alfred e. yeah. Newman. I look like that. <laughs> um, and then we, you know, my mom did have dental insurance through her job. So she was a housekeeper, uh-huh. uh, for a hotel chain and they did give her dental insurance, but for some reason, I think because of the, um, cost value, like braces and getting dental implants, um, she never really focused on dental until I got to high school, like even like late in high school that she really invested in, um, getting my dental work done. Mm. So like I got cavities filled, braces, implants, you named it. And I was not even 18. So wow. it was like an interesting experience. And yeah. I, re- I really realized like what a nice smile and a healthy smile can do for your self-confidence at such an early age. And I grew up really poor. So my family, we all grew up in like the projects of DC. Like we lived in low income housing and my dad worked full time um, at McDonald's until um, he left to work as a um, houseman. Uh, 10 years later, my mom was a full-time housekeeper. So they really taught me the importance of, um, you know, 
saving up money and kind hard of work the, and the hard work yeah, yeah. And sacrifice um, wow that's amazing thank you so I I really wanted to kind of leave DC and you know get out of it um, and make a better life for myself um, as an adult so uh, I decided that I was going to uh, get a career that I could be independent and I wouldn't need anyone. Um, and I was really interested in helping people. So I actually wanted to be a medical doctor. Um, and then once I got into college and I explored a little bit more about dentistry, I, I went to a summer camp um, and it was a Howard University College of Dentistry. So that they really kind of opened my eyes about dentistry. And then I went home and I shadowed that whole summer, my dentist who like did my dental work. And Oh, the same guy was, who did all your implants yeah, and everything? Wow, yeah. that's and cool. he was like 70 years old at that time. And he, I was asking him, like, do you love your job? He's like, oh yeah, I love it. Like he, and he's still practicing now. So he must be wow. in his like eighties and he's still loving the profession. Wow. And it was really funny because I had um, interned at um, GW hospital, Georgetown, Washington hospital in DC um, during my high school years and early in my college years. And I interned um, also at other medical offices like OBGYN offices. And every time I asked, these doctors, these medical doctors, like, can you give me some advice about your career? Because I was thinking about going into healthcare. Sure. The, everyone's advice was not to go into it. <laughs> I, do it. <laughs> I said, they're like, my best advice, don't even do it. And I, I first I was like, wow, like, maybe you don't want me to, you know, have a great life like you. But then ah. I thought about it after, after maybe five doctors said that to me, it hit me that they must be all telling the truth. I mean, why would five doctors right. give me the same advice? Like, this is not looking too good. Of a wow. Career. Um, and I, I'd ask them why, and they would tell me, like, and it's, it was the same. It was the same answer, like all across the board. They were just saying that if you like patient and you like patient interaction, it's not there anymore. Like, they're always doing paperwork. They're always like, you know, filing insurance claims. Um, it's all uh, the managed care really overtook medicine. All that personal one-on-one -on -one is gone it's now. Not all there. That, that yeah. Person, yeah. Wow. Exactly. And that's, that's, you know, that's the initial reason why I wanted to go into medicine. Um, so then they said, you know what, maybe you could consider dentistry. So they, they kind of push those medical doctor even told me to maybe pursue a different part of medicine that I didn't even consider before. Wow. So I was open-minded enough to, you know, see a different side of dentistry and be more exposed to it. Um, and then I just went to dental school. And even then I was not sure that was going to be a career for me. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. So but obviously it worked very, out. You actually you decided know, to stick to it. <laughs> it. It only worked out in the last few years when I think I opened up my own office. But for a long time, I questioned <laughs> if this was even, even after the you graduated, you questioned if you were going to do this. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know, for the last um so for the beginning of my career, so even throughout dental school and after I graduated, for the next like four years of my career, I asked every dentist that I talked to and I knew 
why they chose dentistry and how they knew if this was a career for them. And they asked me why I didn't know if it was career for me. And I go, I just kind of fell into it. So I really want to understand why you chose this profession, because I'm still wondering if this is, you know, my career. Oh my gosh. How were your parents not like, are you kidding me? You just went through all this school and now you're thinking maybe not. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, my, so my third year, um, it was hard. And my second year of dental school was also hard. So, and you know what, every year I asked my parents, can I drop out of dental school? And every year the question, the, the answer was, no, just of course finish. not. Hey, nope. Just, just get it done. So <laughs> like, I, I, I wish I could tell you that, you know, I was that student who knew what I wanted, but I didn't. And I still didn't know, even at my fourth year, when I was about to graduate, um, I just didn't know anything. Like if I should specialize, if I should. So when was, in. when was the moment? When was that moment that you're like, okay, this is it. Like there had to have been some moment. Or maybe it was gradual. And yeah, it was a little gradual. I think when I opened up my office, um, <laughs> that was like the moment that, well, this, I think when I realized I had a million dollars in debt and I opened up the <laughs> office and I better figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably That's a good motivator. Where, you know what? Um, every day I come to work, I tell my dental assistant the same thing and they laugh at me. I always ask them, hey, you think when I pay off my student loans, can I like retire? And they look <laughs> at me and they go, no, because we would lose our job. So no. <laughs> so oh now gosh. that they know that I am actually going to finish paying off my student loan probably next month, they're oh. like, Dr. Vu, are you going to retire? I go, maybe, maybe. But then you I- should, You should totally play with them and do like, a, <laughs> you know, let's, let's, let's do just a party. I mean, we won't call it a retirement party. Let's just do a party. And then we'll see where we go from there. And just totally mess with know. I know. I was uh, telling all my staff that, um, and my husband, that when I finish finally paying my student loans from dental school, I'm going to host a big party. And it will be like, Dr. Wu is finally out of debt. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. Wow. A champagne, a cake. Well, it actually, so, okay. So it actually, there are a couple of things you said that I wanted to unpack there because I started thinking about you as a parent and hearing what your parents sacrificed for you and you have siblings. Yes. So I have three brothers, so I'm a middle child. Okay. So your parents sacrificed a lot for you all, not just coming to a new country. And it's one of those amazing stories, right? Like my family came over like three, four generations ago. So I don't have any stories like that. Right. So to hear this, that I know is inspiring, but as a parent, when I see what you've accomplished now and where, where they came from and where they were and the sacrifice they made, like how, how do they feel about your success and where you are just now? I like whether you consider it a success or not, but your accomplishments, how do they feel about mm-hmm. that? You know, they don't really think much about it because um, all I would say that all of my brothers are also uh, quite successful. Like mm-hmm. they also graduated from a, like a really good colleges and mm-hmm. made a career for themselves as well. Mm-hmm. Um, for them, it was almost like they had prayed. So they're very um, devout Catholic. Okay. And um, for them, it's almost like it should have been a given. Like They prayed it into existence. 
I think so. Yeah, yeah. like we, yeah. they have manifested yeah, like totally. by talking yeah. to God yeah. every single day. That I know that yeah, how mm-hmm. it should be. <laughs> like, yep. I I try to do that. My I obviously don't have the connection your parents do to God because I try to have my kids and it's not working out. But oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If my parents heard you say that, they would actually look at you in the eye and say, "You have to pray harder." Pray harder. <laughs> pray That's harder. True. That's probably pray harder probably true. And more. And probably more. true. Wow, that is amazing. So then what is cool, though, is this legacy part of it, too. I wanted to touch on both your parents and the doctor that you went back to, who helped you, who made you and helped you see the the value of the smile that you have, mm-hmm. and, and that you interned under him and still now are continuing his legacy of helping people care about their their oral health. I think that is fascinating. Yeah. And even I had gone back to see him um, when I first graduated from dental school and he was proud of me, definitely. But in a way, it was almost like it was a given. Like he was like, of course, like you're going to be a dentist. Of course, you're going to be successful. Like, why wouldn't it be? Like, it wasn't like there was like proudness that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, he had mentored me into this profession but in a way it was more like, okay, yeah, of course this would happen. Wow. <laughs> like almost like my parents. Like I think yeah, he's, right. I say, he's probably praying with your parents. Same time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, why, why are you surprised about this? Yeah. Like I think all these baby boomers, they, um, they have expectations for you, but uh-huh. when you do meet them, they're not that enthusiastic for you. <laughs> it's almost like, of course that that's what it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, what a journey that that's been and that you've got. And now you also are the one thing that we're going to not one thing. One of the things we're going to talk about is the fact that you are a practice owner and you've had your practice for how long now in Brooklyn? Four years now. Since Four years. 17. Yeah. You have two children. Yes. Under the age of two. <laughs> under the age of two. So you're a mom, you're a, a doctor, your spouse, like how are you kind of balancing all of that? We're talking today on a Tuesday afternoon. So you obviously have some things dialed in that you're doing to make sure that your office runs around your life, not making the office run your life. So how, how are you doing that? Like, tell us a little bit about your decisions and your focus to make that happen. Absolutely. So um, I believe that when you get to a stage in your life where you there is a lot of responsibilities that you have to um, take on like you're leading a team um, by being a professional especially if you own your own office you're the team leader Um, it's good to set systems in place and to outsource a lot of things you can outsource so I try to outsource everything um, that I could possibly can So, you know, with my, you know, household, I have a nanny that comes in when I'm working and she comes to my house. So I'm not commuting anywhere with my babies. I have, um, you know, a clean uh, house cleaner. So I don't have to clean my house. I mean, I I could, uh, but I just wouldn't have that time or that energy to spend with my kids. That's right. You're dedicating the time that's necessary to be with your kids instead of cleaning a toilet. Exactly. Exactly. I think that is brilliant. I love that. And I actually, so I have a, uh, a part in my first book, uh, the practice of X, where I say live like a rock star, which is 
you know, these rock stars out here, celebrities, they don't have time to go do their dry cleaning. They don't drop off their exactly. stuff. It's not about arrogance. It's about knowing where you are, where's the highest and best use of your time, whether that be highest and best use of your time is with your kids, hanging out with them or just playing with them or being present with them or highest and best use of your time being in your office or creating a business strategy for your office. Like that is so important. I'm so glad you said that because, and you, and you get this at an early age in your business. I agree. I mean, my mom would think I'm like, not cool. Cause she's a house cleaner for a living. So right. if someone else is cleaning my house, yeah, like, it's like clean your own house, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but, yep. I, but I think my time and my energy is very finite. Like I don't have an unlimited amount of time and energy. Yep. So if I have two kids and I want to be present with them and I want to take them to the park and I want to take them to do all these activities, or maybe right. I could, but um, that it would just tire me out to That's right. not you even could. be a good boss and a good mother. Totally agree. I totally agree. You only have so much bandwidth and I don't think it's a selfish thing at all. I wish more people would do it. I, I talk highly about this idea of receiving and being that like you can't give from an empty cup. So if you want to be present mom, present doctor, present uh, business owner, you can't be given away all of that presence to to, to clean the kitchen. There's nothing wrong with cleaning the kitchen. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you need to prioritize your time for the highest and best use. And I do not apologize ever for doing that. Anybody listening to this right now, like if you take one thing from this, this uh, podcast, figure out more things in your life. Yes, you could do it. I know doctor, you are perfectly capable of cleaning a kitchen. I understand that you're perfectly okay with folding your laundry and it's not necessary. I agree. I agree. Wow. Yes. I love it. And I, love it. I don't even grocery shop anymore. So we get our uh, groceries delivered. Yep. Um, I order HelloFresh. So the meal, the groceries already done. It, it, I'll, I'll cook the meal. So, yep. you know, no my heart is in my meal when I do cook, even though, you know, I didn't buy the groceries. Yeah. It saves a lot of time. So I try to outsource as much as I can. Definitely. Um, and then we do have systems in place in my office. So I was just going to ask you, that's great. Yeah. I want to know that yeah. about your office. Great. Um, so I have an awesome office manager, Danielle. She um, handles all my phone calls and, you know, I text her things that I need to do even on my days off, like on Wednesdays and Sundays, if someone calls in, then I'll text her and she will handle that for me. Um, so she kind of handles my life for me and I have like amazing girls that work for me. So, uh, Roselle, Beatrice, Hazel, Alicia, Emily, like they're amazing girls that I work with. So even when I went on maternity leave and my office was still open for a month, they, they handled everything for me. Really? They took care of all Mm -hmm. of that for you. Wow. Yeah. So my office was open, even though I wasn't there, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they weren't like treating patients, um, but if there was any emergency, yes, they would come in, they would take the x-rays and then they would um, send them to the proper, you know, tell them the proper care. They wanted to wait for me or they wanted a referral. So um, like, and I feel like I've trained these girls to to know what I want, um, that they know how to do it now. Like we, we have systems, like um, they know they, I expect something of them. And they know. So I think that has to do with communication. Like I've communicated to them what I expect them to do. So I won't be disappointed. Well, I, the great thing about that is that you're setting not only 
yourself up for the success, but you're also setting them up to take more ownership. I hear often from doctors who are like, how do I get my team members just to have more ownership or how do I delegate it and trust that it'll get done? Well, obviously you hired correctly. First of all, you actually took your time to find the right people. And second of all, you are giving them that trust. So therefore they're taking that trust and growing. And I think that's such a valuable, valuable lesson for so many people in your profession in general. Most people are very high achievers and have the attitude of like, well, I can just get it done faster or, you know, um, why, why spend the money on this thing when I can just do it? Or uh, why take the time to train this person when I can just do it myself? Let's get it done faster and probably right. You're taking a different attitude. I think that's really, really oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, I take the lazy attitude. I'm, I'm lazy. So love it. if I can do the least amount of work, like you only need me to be a doctor, like I will see the patient when everything is ready. All the x-rays already, all the diagnostic, the images, like, and everything is prepped for me, then I'll come in. And they know that they know that like, so I don't want to be in the room until I need it because my time is very valuable. Like I'm, I could be with another patient. I, you know, I think of this um, myself, like I've had to learn this a lot and probably still working on it a bit of this idea that if I'm not working hard, then the money I make doesn't have value, right? I grew up a, con- a concrete contractor's kid. You know, it was you sweat by your brow and that's how you make your money. And this is really an interesting uh, concept to think about of like, no, I am, my value is in the thing I'm focused on doing. Like you said, when everything's prepped and ready to go, then I can be the best in those five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. I'm with that client hour. I'm with that client because I'm not thinking about, well, wait, so do they do the proper x-ray on this thing? Or do we have these supplies ordered here? Or am I going to be meeting with that person over here? Like all of that other stuff that takes up your bandwidth it diminishes your ability to be as amazing as you are at what you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't ah. agree with you more. I mean, when I'm in the patient's mouth, I have a flow. Like I'm in this flow. Yes. Like all I'm thinking about is let's get whatever I need to do done. And, yep. you know, it's for dentistry, it's a procedure. Like you're doing procedures. That's right. All day, every day, like that's how you're making your money for your office. You're doing procedures. So yep. I can't just be talking to a patient and boom, I'm making money. I mean, like, yeah, that'd be great for me, but that doesn't work out that well. That's right. So if I'm not in your mouth and I'm not doing a procedure, no money is really coming into my office to support us. So, you know, to be as efficient as possible, I need to be in the right mindset when I'm doing the procedure and that flow has to be there. And I don't really want to be interrupted. Like I'm going to be in there for, you know, an hour or 30 minutes, finish it off. Mm -hmm. And then I'm done with the patient. So, you know, my girls knows, knows that when I'm, when they, they need to know what to set up for me, what procedures I'm doing, you know, what goes on, they know, like they have it street, we've streamlined the process so well that they know exactly what I want for a specific procedure and they know exactly what I'm, what I'm going to do next. So I've really even streamlined my processes. Like they know exactly what I'm going to do. They know next. what's they happening. Could probably, yeah. They could probably do it themselves. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> and that's, that, that's a key point, right. Is to be able to empower them to do so. So let me ask you this then, because I love the point of, I am not there to, I mean, yes, you have your bedside manner. I get that. You're, that's not what you're saying but that you're there to be in the focus and the flow of what you're doing. 
How have you empowered? How have you trained? How have you um, given permission to your team members to be a representative of you? So those patients feel like that touch with them is coming from you or is a representative of you. So they, that, because a lot of doctors worry, oh, I want people to really feel like I'm selling them. I'm not, I'm my business. And that's true, but you can, I use this example a lot. If anybody's heard this show at any long distance of time, Walt Disney has been dead for, I think almost 50 years now. And yet every time you go to Disneyland, you feel his presence because his team members, you can do the same thing. So my question is with your focus on that, how do you, empower those team members to do that, to be your representative. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, if you ever read any of my reviews online, people talk about my staff, like they barely talk about me because nice. I'm usually not even there. Like, yeah. well, I am there, but right. you spend 80% of your time in my office, probably with my staff member, right. like, you know, doing the diagnostic workup. And that takes more time than for me to come in and to explain to you what I'm seeing. So I, I tell them like, you are an extension of me, like that's right. how warm and how caring I am. My staff needs to be the same way because, um, from the front desk to the back staff, they're all a representation of me. Right. And they're, yep. they're all my, for me, they're all my children. Like mm -hmm. I treat my staff like my children, although most of us are actually the same age. Yeah. Um, so they know what is expected of them. And they know that we are a five-star office. So the experience has to be there. Like I want everyone to have a great experience in my office, like um, almost like a five-star restaurant. When you go into a five-star restaurant, yeah, you know, food, everyone's saying the food should be great. Right. But it's That's the experience that you're going for. Like, so I tell them our office is the same, but the quality of dentistry is there. You're probably not going to find a better quality to for, for my staff. Sure. I think our quality is top notch, but that's almost a given at any, you know, good dental office. So what will set us apart is the warmth and the love and the empathy that we give to our clients. That's and right. so they know that that's what I expect of them. So they, you know, they perform. And I, I do think I, um, I hire slow and fire, fire fast. So if you're not like a speaking great my language, my office, you're speaking yeah, my language is so important. You're not, if you're not a great fit for my office, I know within like five minutes, I, I just kind of let you walk up my door. Like there's no point in keeping you. That's right. And I think it's actually an act of love. I, it use, is. It I is. use the analogy all the time or the experience all the time of if you've ever had a situation where you walk in in the morning and you see Sally and Sally says, good morning to you. And you say good morning back. But in your head, you're thinking, boy, I wish you would quit. You are doing a disservice to her because you, you are. aren't being honest with her. And so you love mm -hmm. them more if you're willing to let them go faster. I literally had to send a video to a client earlier this morning who is going to be letting the one of their front office people go. And it is, it's an act of love. And I know it's hard and it's awkward and it's weird, but it's an act of love. I agree. I agree. I mean, I always try to put my best foot forward and I expect the same from my staff. Yeah. So, you know, I read energy pretty well and my, all my girls do as well. So they know when I'm putting my all into our office, like mm -hmm. they know I'm coming to work so that we can all make money yep. and, you know, without yep. money coming into our office, well, they can't get a paycheck. So yep. 
you know, they know that they're a core to the office, their efforts matter. Um, and, you know, I make it known that this is a team effort. Like people don't come to my office just for me. They come for all of my team as well. Yep. Like when you call my office, like, you know, my front desk name, like everyone's calling me like, hi, is this Danielle? Like they know her name already without me being there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Wow. That is so great. I love that. I love that you're creating this. And here's the powerful thing, Dr. Two, is that you are doing this at an early stage in your career. I know you're ready to retire next month, but I know, if you, if you don't retire <laughs> and you continue on, you know, you're learning this at a very, and you're implementing this at a very young stage. And, and in a lot of ways, you are ruining your team members in a positive way. I love it. Like I, I often talk about how Disney ruined me when I worked for Disney. They ruined me because I can't see, for example, a trash can that's overflowing in an office and be like, hey, why is the trash can overflowing? Right. Like I it's just it ruined. Yes. Me. That's what yes. you're doing with these. And that's a positive thing. And I, I, I do not stop. Don't just just keep, keep doing what you're doing. I think it's fabulous. You know, my staff changed our um, trash can three to three times a day to twice nice. a day. It's halfway filled they know I'm like OCD about it. They'll just yep. go change it right away. <laughs> well, so it's funny that you mentioned the five-star thing because I think a lot of people, I oftentimes that when I'm speaking or doing a training, I will talk about um, core values and people will say, oh, you know, we have honesty and integrity is our thing. I'm like, no, that that's like the cost of doing business. So like you're saying, like good quality work, that's the cost of doing business. We should all as consumers just assume that because you have a, a, a placard that says you're a dentist out on your front door that you actually are good at what you do. That's what we're, our expectation is. What is, oh, what is not expected and hoped for and our, our, our desire is to have that experience that you talked about, to be in a situation where we feel comfortable and relaxed and people care about us. And I mean, my wife and I actually left our dentist that we had for probably, I want to say we're going around 10 years that we had all of our kids went through and stuff like that. Finally, we left him because we just didn't feel that anymore. And we found somebody who absolutely does those things. And we are now a, a, a client for them and a referring clients to them because of that. So you're absolutely right on. I talk about the, uh, have you heard me talk about the the, um, the five-star two-ply? No, no, no. So I just have this thing I wrote an article about it and stuff like that, how often people will claim to have five-star service. And I get this all the time when I go into offices, right? Oh, we're the best and we give the best customer service. And one of my tests that I do is I go into their bathroom and I see, are they giving me one ply or two ply toilet paper? It's like, oh, we have two ply. We have two ply. It's like, that's the difference, right? When you walk into <laughs> supposedly five-star places and you have one ply crappy toilet paper, like, come on, you're not, you're, you're, you're there's a mismatch here. So you got to give at least two, if not three, if not four, right? You want pillows for those ladies to make them feel like, wow, they thought about me, right? It's just made all the difference. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's really funny because I actually don't market myself and I don't even tell patients that, you know, this is actually what I want to become like a five-star office. Um, and it's even not what I tell my staff. No. I just tell them, you know what? I want our office to be somewhere you're going to be proud to be working at That's right. somewhere. If you tell your, you know, family member, Hey, I actually work for Tuesday dental. Like, yep. you know, you'll be happy that you want to refer your, yep. you know, mom, your dad, like something that you'll be proud of in the community to say, Hey, this is actually where I work at. Like badge and, of honor. Yeah. And I, I feel like that, that, that is what, you know, 
think, in my opinion, that's what we have now. But, that's you know, right. it, it, it really came from a love of my staff and my community and my patients. Yeah. Um, less so than, you know, hey, I just want to be a five-star office, like just for and, the- And, and that's, that's the purity of where it comes from. And I think that's really, really powerful. That's, that's, that's amazing. So I wanted to touch on a few things. I know we're getting clo- close on time here, but I want to touch on a few things. You do a lot of work with other groups, right? So uh, especially ma- like other women uh, uh, and, and uh, employees, owners, and talk to us about that. Talk to us about like your desire to kind of get out there in the community and things like that. Cause that's really cool. Uh, yes. So I do like to support um, a lot of, I guess, new like women who want to go into dentistry. Mm-hmm. So I've mentored five um, young females. Wow. Um, ever since my career started and they've like shadowed me and, you know, they came to work for me. Um, they even interned for me and one is actually, um, she's been working for me for the past two years and she's coming to work for me full time, um, for the whole entire year this year. Um, and I would all, all five of them actually got into dental school. And I think two, one just graduated from um, UPenn this summer and, and yeah. And then, um, so it, it, it you're continuing the legacy. Yeah, just because I, I, when people do um, call into my office, you know, looking for um, an intern or shadowing, um, and if I have the capacity, like I will, I will allow them um, to come and shadow me. And I'll even keep up the relationship because I do want young people and young females to know that they can also, you know, do what I do. Like, yep, they're able to do this and it's not that hard. Like they can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. So there's this kind of feeling though, where and this is just for me and maybe you felt this too, but there's this feeling sometimes where you have to have kind of a certain personality to be a, a dentist or an orthodontist or a dentist, or even in the medical field in general, you have kind of created this, uh, I gotta be me type feeling. Uh, we talked about this a little bit beforehand about how one of the, the, challenges maybe that you found when you were first going out and associating was offices that felt maybe a little more stale or stiff or didn't allow you to be authentically you. And I think that's a big challenge with a lot of doctors feeling like they got to fit into some sort of box. Granted, we all have our legal things we have to do, right? I understand that. Let's all like, let's put that out of the way. But when it comes to being who you are, who you want to be, what your character is, Sometimes we stifle that for the look of being a professional. Tell us about your journey a little bit there and, and how you kind of buck that a bit. Yes. Um, so I'm glad we're talking about this because I do believe that, you know, with dentistry and with medicine, most of the time it is almost like a male dominated field yeah, yeah. and you, you have to be almost like quite business-like, like almost like a cold demeanor like you can't really be warm and fuzzy and loud and kind of upfront um and to show that you really care like not I didn't experience that too often um in a lot of the doctors I even go to or a lot of the doctors I even know so uh, when I was early in my career I mean I looked like I was young I looked like I was 18 so no one really trusted me Mm. and I almost like try to front my um, persona to be 
you know, more dominant, um, mm-hmm. more male, like, like more male traits. Um, so I try to like exude this fake confidence. Like as my boss told me, my boss would tell me, oh, you know, you have to be more like this or like mm-hmm. that. So sometimes they would kind of guide me to be more like them. Right. And um, it's hard. It's hard to do that because that's just not who I am. Um, and so it took a lot of effort to be someone else. Do you have an example and, of that where there is a doctor who was like, hey, you know, it tamper it down, simmer down now. Like, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, uh, I, I used to practice in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. uh, like very blue collared. And, um, you know, uh, uh, there was one time when a um, occupational therapist came up to me and um, you know, he was being very, well, she was being very kind or, or what she thought was being very kind sure. to me. And she said, you know what your problem is? I think you're too quote unquote, you're too ghetto and, um, Whoa. you don't present yourself very well. And even sometimes you're kind of childlike in the way that you speak. It's like very like Valley girl. And wow. that's not very professional. Um, and you know, she said it out of kindness, right? She's trying to mentor you probably a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I, I took it kind of personal and, um, I was young at that time. I was like 28 or 29 and I was a little bit lost about who I wanted to be in the world. So I really took her advice and I said, oh, you know, is this really my problem? Like, is this how people are seeing me? Is this how people like how I'm being conveyed to other people? Mm-hmm. And then for maybe like six months to a year, I really took that personally. And it took me until my 30s to realize this doesn't really matter. Like I am who I am. I can't change that. Like yeah. I can't be authentic without being, you know, raw, without having my warmthness and, you know, having my urban accent. And, um, you know, even sometimes I speak with a very loud pitch. That's just who I am. Like, mm-hmm. I can't change that. Like, I can't change my excitement for things. And like, it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to dim my stuff, like, you know, my light, yes. who I am Yes. to please someone and to, you know, to know that it's okay. Like it's okay to be you. And even though it's different and it's not seen as quote unquote professional, people know that you're authentic. Like Mm -hmm. I, I always um, look at artists like Cardi B and Billie Eilish, like they're authentically them, you know, like no one can really be them. And we appreciate that. And, you know, some people might hate them because they're not like, you know, they're not the mainstream Mm-hmm. And that's okay. So I had to really open up my own office and realize that people come to my office and they love me for who I am. And that's right. I'm different from their dentist. And that's okay. You don't have to be like that. And, you know, you kind of form your own niche in whatever industry you are because your vibration, your light, you know, you, as long as you're putting love out to the world, I think it's going to come back. Like, yeah. and it could be whoever you are, you know, like it could be whoever you want to be, as long as you're spreading the good energy out. I think that's all that matters. Wow. I love that. I love it. I think it's so important for us to really 
uh, be okay with who we are. And, and I think it gives that variety, right? That spice of life. And I agree. I agree. I agree. There's a, there's a professionalism that actually comes with being more authentically you, because I a lot agree. of times when people say that, uh, that professionalism, you know, when they're the standard of professionalism or whatever they're thinking, it's usually what someone else gave them to, right? It's like, oh, you have mm-hmm. to act a certain way or be this certain. There is someone for everyone out there. Um, I, I, I think that's part of figuring out also who your ideal clients are, those people who appreciate you for that authenticity. So I, I don't stop. I think it's awesome. Love it. And love it. Thank That's you. So cool. Thank you. You know, it took me a while, many years, maybe all throughout my like adulthood to like figure this out that yeah. I was okay being who I am. <laughs> I think, I think the worst part about everything you just said was um, people who aren't seeing this on video aren't realizing that you still kind of look 19. I, I, you know, I know. No one, <laughs> people, you know, if, if my name wasn't on my door, people wouldn't realize I am the dentist. I come in, they're like, so who's the dentist? I'm like, oh, that's me. (laughs) And if they had like people who, you know, come to me now, they research me online. So they Uh know who I look like. So they go, oh, you must be Dr. Boo. But if it wasn't for that, they think I'm just one of the girls. (laughs) That is so funny. That's awesome. Well, we, uh, you have uh, uplifted us today totally. And I really appreciate your time and sharing with us. We've got to the place in our show where we do our six questions for every one of our guests. Are you willing to play? I'm ready, Dito. I'm ready. All righty. This is awesome. All right. So tell me what is the number one thing that you wish they would have taught you in graduate school? So um, I know everyone says business and And I think, I think there's some truth to that. Like, I think knowing something about business, knowing something about like how to do a startup, if that's what you're looking for, or buying existing practice um, in for dentistry wise, I think that would be great. And just because at the end of the day, the reason why you're a dentist is you're either going to be, you know, starting your own practice or buying another practice or going into a group practice. So knowing how the dynamics of that would really help. That's awesome. That's, I think that should be a definitely class that people give you. So what's a book that you believe every private practice owner should be reading? So, um, for, I read this book when it first came out, leaders eat last and um, I listened to it. Yeah. And I listened to it again recently and I think there's so much information there and such, um, the way that he writes is really well. And he uses like uh, real world, um, stories to, show you what leadership looks like. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. Um, being, I was at dinner with somebody a while ago. I've used this line a few times and it's just so true. You can fake a lot of things in your business, but the one thing you cannot fake is leadership. I agree. It, I mean, it's felt, it's felt. And, yeah. you know, yeah. a, when you are a, a business owner in any capacity, you're, you're the leader. Like you can't outsource that. Yeah. Well, speaking of books and my book, the practice RX, I do focus on team culture and team performance as the foundation to all business growth. What do you see as the biggest challenge that your private practice colleagues are facing when it comes to teams and office culture? I think having an office culture, I think Mm. that's number one. I mean, if you don't set the tone for an office culture, someone's going to set it for you. Like so it's not true. you and it's going to be someone else. So I think 
setting up the tone of what you're wanting your office culture to be like. And yeah. um, that will kind of guide the team members to how they how they act and how they treat you and how they treat your patients. So setting the right tone for the culture is really important and letting people go if they're not the right fit for your culture, because some people are not on board with your culture and that's okay. That's okay. I love it. That's okay. It's okay. They're not a bad person. You're not a bad person. It's just not a fit and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You're not going to marry everybody, every person you date. It's okay. Exactly. Exactly. So um, we want to make sure that people can reach out to you if they have any questions or just like to pick your brain or maybe have you speak at one of their events. What's the best way people to reach out to you? Yes. So you can visit my website, twosdental.com, uh, T-U-S dental.com. Uh, you can also email us at twosdental at gmail.com. We are on um, Instagram uh, at nice. NYC and um yeah, uh, we're on Facebook, although I don't really check that very often. But <laughs> <laughs> so everybody and, knows it's T U S Dental, right? Yes. Uh, Tango Umbrella Samson. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Um, okay, so what do you feel is the best advice you've ever received in life or in business? I think this this is what I've been working on my whole entire life, just to be authentically you. Whatever that is, whatever that may be, own it just to be you. And there's no one else like you in the world. So as long as you shine your light, you know, like they said, don't don't die with your story inside of you. Oh, so yeah. don't tell someone else's story. Tell your story. I posted something uh, just a few days ago. I'd heard this. I was listening to some Les Brown talks. He's a pretty famous speaker. And he said, we all are born unique, but most of us die copies. I and agree. I that was so profound. It's like, dang it. That's so true. So, yeah. And our that. culture does that to us, right? Mm-hmm. Our, yeah. our culture tries to, if you're a nail that sticks up, you know, someone's going to bang you down. And yes. I think you just learn that, you know what, it's okay. If someone tries to bang you down, you're still going to just stand tall and be that nail that sticks up. Yep. Have to stick yeah. out. That's so important. All right. Last question. So what is the best resource or tool that you have used to grow your practice? You know what? I was so scared of opening my practice in 2017 and I got a life coach and she really changed my life. Nice. Oh, I'm yeah. so glad you said that. Mm-hmm. I think everyone should really have a life coach. Like my mindset was just not at the right place like mm-hmm. I really lack the confidence because you're new I mean you're a new office you're sure. a new startup like you haven't done this before mm-hmm. um I think getting a life coach is amazing experience to have someone to talk to um to have someone who's rational and thought um, to kind of <laughs> guide see things me. a little differently than you see it yeah yeah and um she really changed my mindset like I think mindset is everything and it wasn't something I had really, you know, done. I didn't do um, any self-improvement before then. And so then when I started into the self-improvement arena um, after my early thirties, like it really changed the course of my career. Wow. That's awesome. Well, I'm so glad you said that because I believe in it wholeheartedly. 
I agree. Um, I come from a long line of stinking thinking, you know, and so just to be able to change that mindset and be able to just to see things a little differently, so powerful in our lives. Um, and speaking of powerful, speaking of just really a treasure, thank you for being here and, and gracing us with such great wisdom and, and really just the story you tell, the legacy that you're, you are part of and you're leaving. It's just really an honor to talk to you. Thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you, Dino. It was my pleasure. So I really enjoyed this. Oh, good. Well, we had a lot of fun. And I hope that everybody listening took a lot of good notes and really saw like the importance of becoming and actually not becoming, just choosing to be authentically you, being able to support those that are around you, looking out to good causes and really seeing that, you know, that the pace that you set in your office, the time that you give to the things that are most important are, are what you need to focus on. It's not about, I don't believe in balance. I believe in flow. And when you can do that, you can do it. You know, Dr. Two has talked to us about today. You can actually be in flow. So thank you so much for being here, everybody. Thank you for listening to the show again. Thank you for sharing it with your friends and your colleagues. And as always, our goal is to help you be more profitable, more productive, and more uh, proactive in every aspect of your life and business. Thanks, everybody. We'll listen. We'll see you. We'll listen to you. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.